welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thanks. All right, cheers, Ben. You can sit down, guys. Yeah, it's really good to be back. The energy in this place is just so awesome. I, uh, I end up, just through all the times I get posted around, I end up going to a lot of different churches, and it's really great to come back here because it's just got such a great vibe. The energy and the anointing in this place is, is really great to come into, to a place where you feel home, Everyone's strong and together, and it's just, it's just really awesome being here. I, uh, so yeah, I've spent this, I just finished, uh, for context, my 11th year in the army. Uh, for the majority of that, I was uh, in the infantry, which if you don't know, it's like the most army thing you can think of when you think of army. It's like foot soldiers, you run around with rifles and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm going to be drawing on some lessons I've uh, really learned, and a simple kind of message I'm going to talk about with teamwork. It's, uh, you know, sometimes the simple messages are the best. Sometimes. Let's, I hope that it will be. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm going to speak from 1 Corinthians 12, starting at 12.12. 12. Does that come up? No. Anyway, I'll read it. So it says, just as, the bo- just as a body, or well, for context, Paul's writing here and he starts off before this scripture talking about the individual gifts of the Spirit. So he's talking about some people have, you know, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, and then he brings it together as the individual skills come together in an analogy, and he goes, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then it goes on to say in verse 18, But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, and he says it again, there are many parts, but one body. And I like this analogy. It really draws in a great uh, picture of what a team should be. We've got individual parts working together in one body. So I want to speak a bit about this analogy and this base of this scripture and uh, some time I've spent working, and I've spent a lot of time working in different teams um, and lean a little bit into that. So if, I'm sorry if you're not into like military stuff at all, just strap in because there's going to be a bit of that this time. I generally try not to go it all the time, but this one we're going hard in. Look, I'm wearing green. I can't get away from it. I'm wearing green. I've been sleeping outside, just getting into the rhythm of it on holidays. We, we actually did. We went camping uh, a week ago, Lara and I. Lara's first time ever camping, and I was like, yep, sweet. Look, I'm under a tent. How great. You know, Lara was not about it. <laughs> there's, I think there's something outside. I'm like, yeah, like nature, and <laughs> everything's outside. <laughs> anyway, okay, anyway. So uh, this year I spent uh, three months away. Uh, well, I spent a, longer than that, but for three months I was away um, on boats up in far north Queensland, and if you're thinking about it, 
yep, they might have been ships, they might have been boats, and I do know the difference, but I would always call them boats to generally annoy the Navy people and just, because uh, I don't care and you have to care. So anyway, um, so I spent three months on these boats and uh, the first month straight, pretty much, we're just in the boat and it's just not a great living style. It's Navy people that hit me up like, oh, enjoying it? You know, it's better than being outfield. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's horrible. I'm living in a metal cell. It's like literally being in a prison. You've got like eight people in one room. The bunk above you is like this far from your face. So if you turn too hard, you're kind of like, okay, yep, it sucked. Anyway, so we finally, after a month straight on the boats, and the soldiers particularly were going pretty stir-crazy, we get off. We go into a town in Ingham, like far north Queensland, and we're doing uh, what the army calls war games. So... They get other soldiers, not from the units that we're in, and they put them into the town and they say, right, are you going to pretend to be terrorists? Here's your black balaclavas and they rent out some houses and so it's then our job to go into the town and find the bad guys and, you know, shoot them with with blanks. No real bullets, but, you know, they make the noise and it's pretty intense sometimes. Anyway, so we're going into a real town. So the first couple of days, people in the town are just like, what is going on? There's army tanks rolling down the main street and there's dudes patrolling with rifles in their front yards and then shooting at each other and anyway so they have to put out like announcements like hey this is it's okay this isn't the Chinese invading it's all good um so anyway we're there and the CEO so the CEO is he's like the CEO like the president of the unit there's about 500 people in the unit I was in and he mentions all right we need to support the locals, get them on side, so you know they help us out and not help out the bad guys. So let's you know support the local businesses um, best you can. Uh, get out and talk to them if you see them. And that one line he said, you know, support the local businesses. I just saw in the room some soldiers. So for clarification, there's officers who are like think of a building site. Officers are like the engineers, and soldiers are kind of like the builders. Right? So there's kind of a class distinction there, and I see the soldiers in the room, their eyes light up, support local businesses. They're just like, well, the CO said it, so I'm interpreting that as we can go get Maccas every day, every meal. We are going to buy everything from every petrol station because they've been on a boat for a month. They've been eating rations and drinking, like, recycled water and it all tastes weird and all kinds of stuff, and they're just like, really? Support local business. Great. So over the next couple of days, they've just come up with this plan of attack to just get all the junk food in the town into the base. They just went righto. They, I'm, I kid you not, I saw it. We have like a, a blue force tracker so you can see on the computers. At one point I'm saw like, what is going on here? And I could see them cordon off streets, so block streets with a clear route from the base to where the petrol station was and then very organized like like real clockwork kind of stuff section by section about 10 guys they would go to the petrol station switch hit switch by next section go out just bang 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 no traffic just using the roads they jog out there and then I got sent a um, and I knew what they were doing so I messaged one of the guys I know I'm like hey all right like go back to doing the job you're supposed to do. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. We ran out of stuff anyway. I'm like, what do you mean? He sent a photo of the petrol station and it was empty. Empty, absolutely nothing on the shelves. Like even the weird things that no one buys, like the beef jerky things in the petrol station, gone, all of it. At one point, and then they got onto the fact that there was a Domino's nearby. So they're just like, great. This Domino's was working round the clock, delivering pizzas, just going for it. And I'm not gonna lie, I got in on that. I was like, <laughs> I went to my soldiers. I'm like, hey, can I, 
Barbecue meat lovers. Yep, cheers. Anyway, at one point, the CEO kind of started cotton on what was going on. And he's like, all right, now, I get that I said to support local businesses. We just need to not take it too far, all right, because there's a lot of pizza deliveries rocking up to the front gate of our base, a lot, like every hour. And so all the officers are in the room, and I'm like, yep, no worries, sir. Yeah, I'm good. And then I go back outside the tent, and I'm like, give me the pizza. I'm just smashing my face full of pizza. Anyway, it culminated at the end of the exercise where the enemy, we found the enemy, and there was a bit of a back and forth. And the last day of the exercise, the enemy does this big attack. They get armoured vehicles. They've they got helicopters going around. There's people running out of buildings. They're attacking the base, and it all kicks off, and our guys get the armoured vehicles out, and there's, we got helicopters as well and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, so everyone's shooting at each other, yelling, contact, machine guns going off. And it was all during this happening when a pizza delivery arrived. <laughs> this poor delivery driver in like this like, little crappy Hyundai XL, this rusty thing, Domino's little thing on top, arrives and this guy's just like, whoa, uh, delivery for Alpha Company, what's going on? And there's just smashing it. And then what I saw was probably the most perfect example of like a well-oiled team I had ever seen. And it was no waters given, no one like quickly decided, oh no, we've got a problem here. It was just all the soldiers that were at that point just swung into action. They were just like, we got the pizza delivery here. Let's go, machine gunners up, cover him, get him inside, moving, cover him, get him in, get him in. The pizza delivery guy's just like, ah, just getting dragged into the base. Get the military police, sniffer dogs, go, 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 engineers. Runners come out, they're just like, the pizza's here, quick. Runners come out of the building, grab like this 20 stack of pizzas, run back inside. All right, get him out. Get an escort. Go. Armoured vehicles come up. Escort this, like, big armoured vehicles, like 20 ton with machine guns and tanks on top. This little Domino's driver's just like, ah, okay, and gets him out. And I see all of this. I'm about 200 metres away. I'm sitting at the top of a, I'm in the headquarters, and I can see all this happening. And next to me is the RSM, who's like the senior builder kind of on the site. And he sees me. And he sees me seeing that, and when I see him seeing that, and he just goes, I think we'll, uh, we'll just keep this one to ourselves, and I'm like, yep, yep, I think that is a good idea. And honestly, in the 11 years now I've served, it's probably the best example of teamwork I've seen. <laughs> and I just want to pick this apart and apply this scripture to it. And talk about the scripture, or the, sorry, the sermon I want to talk about today is working for the team. I want to talk about why it's important. First off, what is a team? Why it's important and how to do it. Okay? Because the first part of what is a team, it's important to establish. And I think most of us know kind of what a team is. It, we know what it should look like, even if we've never been a part of something really awesome. Um, but, you know, if you're in this church, great opportunity. Um, spoiler for later. But we are in God's team. This is the team I'm talking about for what a team is. Christians specifically as a team and then teams within teams. We've got this church and then in this church you've got smaller teams, band, production, deacons, kids, connect groups. We call them connect groups here? Yep, good. Um, volunteers in all kinds of forms. So that scripture and it says, Corinthians says, baptize in the same spirit form one body. That same spirit is the Holy Spirit. We are all baptized as Christians in the Holy Spirit so as to form that one team. 
Within that, we can work towards a common goal. There's different parts we're working together. And this is what's important with teams, is that there is a goal. And that's important because it's the distinction between a club or a group. A team implies that there's uh, opposition, that there's obstacles to overcome to reach a goal. It's not a book club where you just come together and go, yep, there's a nice group or a interest group of some description. A team has to overcome obstacles and work together. You know, the strongest teams that have ever been formed are always formed out of the strongest opposition. If you have no opposition, then you've got no real reason to work together. It's just like, yeah, we're just kind of here, chilling, cool. We're going to come together and cook. Great. I mean, maybe there's opposition for cooking in my kitchen anyway, but because um, you just your skill level is just not good enough. But in any case, no matter how good you are, how much you're killing it as an individual, at some point in life, you're going to need other people. You're going to need to be a part of a team because you're going to come up against an opposition or an obstacle, and you're like, well, I can't do that. Physically, there are obstacles which you can't overcome, but if you get two or three people, you can pull yourself and push each other over it. You can pull you know, larger weights than you would do individual. And that is true in life spiritually. And that brings us to my second point, which we're now establishing the easy part of what a team is. Why do we need a team? Okay? We need a team, first off, because the Bible says so. And we could kind of just finish there, just wrap it up. But... In that scripture in Corinthians, it clearly says, you as an individual form one body, one spirit, Jews, Gentiles, slaves or free, you're given one spirit to come together. And we're designed as individuals to be a part of that. All great leaders in history, all great leaders in sports teams and military things, they all had supporting acts. Even the Jews, as the chosen people, they were formed in tribes, those tribes, tribes, they served different roles. Some were warriors, some were prophets, some were the you know, spiritual leaders. It's the optimum way for humans to succeed throughout all of history is to be in a team. And we know this because we have a social craving. Your craving to be social with people is a smaller part of what it is to be part of a team. You want to be part of social groups. The only people that don't want any social interaction at all whatsoever and have no... Uh, you know, inclination towards it are sociopaths and they're mentally unhealthy. There's a problem with them. Any healthy, there's no one here like that, I assume. And uh, we'll pray for you later if you do. But everyone wants to be part of it. Teams are just a social setting with a goal, with a purpose, more than just, all right, let's just get together and chill and have some beers or whatever. I mean, God Himself, we're designed as a reflection of God in His image, and He is a Trinity. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. That's a team. They've got different roles in the team and we are formed in the same way. We all have different roles in a team to achieve a purpose. Interestingly, um, I'll go historical here for a bit. Um, During the Blitz in London, World War II, um, the Germans started bombing and at that time the Department of Health prepared, they built new facilities and they trained doctors because they started to prepare for a huge increase in mental patients. They assumed that during the bombing, everyone's family's going to start dying, buildings, people are going to lose their homes, it's going to be terrible, and it, 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 and it was. There's going to be a huge uptick in uh, you know, psychological injuries. People are going to lose it. We're going to have so many inpatients, they just can't take it. You know, World War I had all these kind of issues. It's going to happen again. But actually what happened was the opposite. 
they saw that there was a decrease in the mental patient in, in patients. They somehow, they didn't understand it at the time, but further psychological studies showed that because there was suddenly an opposition in modern life, people had to get together in teams and then socially they had to rely on each other. They're not just living as individuals or just living as single family units. They needed to help their neighbours whose house just got blown up and then they would need the help. And suddenly they had a purpose in life, which was as natural and primary as it was, was to survive. There was a decrease in mental health issues. And the same thing was seen across the other, halfway across the road world in the siege of Leningrad. The Germans trying to overtake... The Russian city of Leningrad, they had the same uh, right analysis. We're going to need some serious... We're going to have to lock these people up because they're going to go crazy and everyone's going to go crazy. It's going to spread like wildfire. But again, the opposite happened. People actually banded together. There was a decrease in it. So much so that uh, people started going, oh, after the war going, oh, back in the old days, you know, the good old days of the siege of Leningrad, ignoring the fact that people were starving and dying... They just craved that team setting so much. People were united back then, you know. Wasn't it great when the Nazis tried to kill us? It's like, what? Hang on, what? Because people craved that social teamwork so much that that was more important to them than just the, uh, you know, trying to survive. Because suddenly, when you're in a team, it gives you a purpose. That purpose creates a passion, an excitement. The purpose of what I saw those soldiers were, they saw pizza as their goal And the passion that I saw from that was more than I'd seen in the month leading up to it on the boat. Yeah, yeah, we hear war games in case China and all these, you know, in case bad things happen. But pizza, that is is what I'm excited about. And I can relate to that because for me, some of the most effective teams I've been in, played a lot of rugby, and some of the better rugby teams I've been in was like really well-oiled, well-drilled teams, good coaches and staff and all this kind of stuff. To the point where now, and I didn't play rugby this season, uh, I was in Adelaide, so they played that silly aerial sport. And um, and I, if I try and if I'm trying to get to sleep at night, I can't think about rugby. I actually can't do it because I get excited, and then my heart rate goes up, and then I'm sitting there in bed trying to sleep, and my heart's just like, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. I could play there, and then I'm like, and suddenly it's midnight. I'm like, ah. So whenever I find my mind slipping towards sport, I'm like. Uh, think about cricket. Think about something puts me to sleep. Quickly. I, I have to think about something specifically not rugby because the teams I was in, it gets me excited. I can't help it. Let me, an example for you guys, I'm maybe a year late with this analogy, but this building, this new roof, we all had a clear goal. We wanted to build a new roof. There was a clear purpose. There was a way to contribute to it. We needed to raise however much money it was and then when we did it, you see the end product, and it's awesome. I've only seen it a few times. I've been back and forth, and it's great. You go, right, I, I helped build this physically. I contributed to this. I was part of it. It's awesome. It's better than the, what it was, and it's just awesome. So think about that. Picture going to heaven and witnessing the house of God that you've built and contributed towards the eternal house of God in a spiritual sense. Every contribution you've made to the Christian faith throughout your whole life is building that church in heaven. You will go there and go, wow, God will go, check it out. Remember that soul you saved? Remember that time you cleaned the toilets and then the person came to church and he thought, oh, toilets are clean, maybe I'll stay. You know, you never know, okay? There may be a gold toilet in heaven because of what you did 50 years ago, whatever it is. 
okay? You will build the house of God in heaven, which we can't see now, but at the same time when we walked into this physical building for the first time and you saw it and you thought, how good is this? Imagine that 10 times, a million times more, infinitely more exciting than what you felt when you saw this building for the first time. We will feel when we get to heaven and know that we contributed to this team, the team of God. It's easy for us, uh, I think, especially after 11 years in the military, for me to go, teamwork is all about sacrifice, just give everything and then you'll die and then you can see the good part of it, okay? All about sacrifice. But that's not the case because a good team will build each other up. A good team builds individuals up. Bible's, you know, iron sharpens iron and that that challenge of being part of the team and the opposition that you will inevitably come to is necessary to growth as an individual. Like I said before, I've played rugby a fair bit and I've played sometimes at decent grades and then I remember playing at a decent sort of level for a bit and then going back down to play sort of country level. And I remember going into that game, or one I can think of in particular, and I just thought, man, I'm just going to kill this. Look at these, I'm just, you know, farm boys, I'm just going to tear this up, Okay. But the reality is, when you play in a worse team, you actually play worse. You don't stand out and play better. When you play in a better team, you play way better. You actually don't get dragged up to that, le- like, you know, stand up. You, you go to the level, sort of the average level. And because you can rely on your teammates more, the standards are higher. higher. Generally, there's going to be more Islanders in that team. So you can just, so you just know it's going to be a better team, Okay. But it's true because every time you're in a better team, the individuals in that team will encourage each other. They will build each other up. And that's what I want to encourage you now, guys, is to be a team that builds each other up. Be a house of God that looks after the individuals. You can look across left and right and go, all right, this guy's struggling, this guy's killing it. Let's work together and build a team that lifts everyone up, that finishes the race strong, not dragged out, exhausted, okay? Help each other out and you'll build a stronger team for it. Every opposition you come up against, every time you've got to build a new roof or whatever it is, you'll be stronger for it the next time. We built that roof last time easy. We'll build two roofs this time, whatever it is. Okay? This brings us to the last point, which is the biggest point, and that is the how. How do I be in a team? There's so much to unpack about it. What makes a good team? How do I contribute to it? How do I do it? The first point, which is probably a good summary for all Christian life, which is God comes first. The Ten Commandments starts with that. Jesus' overall direction for life was to start with that. The analogy in Corinthians of the Christian team being a body, think of God being the head or the, the brain. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 3.6. Really short. It's a great summary. It says, uh, there is. I planted, this is Paul, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. I think that is a great summary of God in the setting of human teamwork. Because we can put all the pieces together, you know, different roles, someone planted it, someone else watered it, but if that's as far as it goes without God. You can put all the pieces together, but you've got to ask God to turn the engine on. He's the one that you have to trust, you have to pray and press into to actually make it happen. We can build a building here. Without God, this is just a social group. 
There's nothing going on here. This is an empty building. We need to bring God into this house. And that's where things start to happen. That's where we'll see lives change. That's where you'll see actual tangible things happen in people's lives through God, not through just a social group. And that's what people out in the world, they crave and they get together with social groups. There's RSLs and there's leagues clubs and bowls clubs. There's all kinds of clubs because everyone wants that social interaction, but there's something missing at the center of it, which they either understand and reject or they just don't know about. And that is God. We need to put God first. God is our leader. He will put us in the right direction. He'll make sure that the team and the path that we're on is in the right direction because You don't have to go too far back in history to know that well-oiled teams with bad leaders can go way off course. Been watching Netflix docos in World War II, and my goodness, all right? Bad leaders, not good. Thankfully, we've got the best leader, God. We can trust him. We can trust God and the people that God has put in your life to be good leaders, all right? That same exercise I was on up in North Queensland, before the whole pizza saga, um, we were out trying to find all the, uh, all the bad guys in the town. So we're knocking on doors and we're investigating things and talking with the local cops. They got the local cops in on it and the mayor was part of it, sort of, you know. Anyway, so we're doing that and there's, there's two ways you can knock on a door in the army. I'll teach you some tactics. There is a soft knock. A soft knock is what you would all do when you knock on someone's door. And that is, you know, hey, mate, how's it going? Yep, cool, here. Any bad guys around? No, nope, cool. So we were going around soft knocking. Then there is another thing, and that is called a hard knock. That is what you would see policemen do, or army, if you've seen those videos. And that is when there's nothing polite about it, and that is when you kick in the door and go, what's going on in this house? Okay? So let's just establish those two different types of knocking on doors before we proceed with this story. One, obviously, is quite obtrusive. All right? It's a little shocking to get hard knocked because you don't expect it. Soft knocking, that's normal. That's someone ringing your phone. So we're going around and knocking on doors and finding, hey... And we get some intelligence. So we, get, we find out that there's some bad guys potentially in some houses. So we go to the guys that are supposed to be su- supervising this exercise. And we go, we're going to go to these houses at night. And they're supposed to vet those houses and say, yes, go to that house. You get, do not go to that house. Yes, you can go to that house. Because they know where the bad guys are. And they're just making sure we don't kick in someone's door that we're not supposed to. I think you can see where this story is going. I think you can see it. Okay. So, but you would think a smart way to mitigate what potentially is going to happen in the future would be to have a supervisor there that stops you and says, don't do that. Anyway, so they get all the houses and they go, yep, go there, there, there. Don't go to that one. And we go, great. So we go off at night. Now, I'm not going to throw shade, more shade at the Navy, but it was at night time and they're very strict on their work rest ratios. Army is not. So we went out and the Navy supervisors just thought, well, I'm sleeping. I don't know why you would go out when we're trying to sleep. Anyway, so they didn't come. We still went. So we go up and we soft-knocked on someone's house. Hey, mate, what are you doing here? He's a young dude, short hair, so a bit suspicious here. And I'm on the radio so I can hear all of it's happening. I'm not there in person, so I couldn't stop it. All right? Not my fault. Anyway, so they soft-knock this guy's house. They see him, and then they see someone with a rifle in the back of the house. Uh, and so they all bust in and arrest him. Okay? Everyone works great. The military police, they tie him up, bags over the head. Uh, photos, fingerprints, interviewing, all this stuff that you're supposed to do. We're not policemen, okay, bags over the head, that's, that's okay. We're not cops, it's a different thing. The different laws apply, okay, just don't freak out, it's all good, all right? Imagine the terrorists, okay? Anyway, 
I could see some people like, bags of the head, what is this? I'm like, all right, army's not policemen. This is very different, okay? Anyway, so we're all playing this and we're going through. Teams are working. And so we have intelligence officer and he starts questioning them. Where are you, how long have you been here? Where's everyone else? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And they get out. Hey, who else moved in nearby? Who's nearby? Oh, yeah, we had a guy move in downstairs. When? Yesterday. Well, you know, we assume since the people that, are there to play bad guys? They just moved in recently. So we go, great, someone's downstairs. And I'm on the radio, I'm like, great, go for it. So they go down, soft knock. Hey, mate, anyone there? Anyone there? Nope, door's locked. All right, no worries. Engineer comes up, boom, smashes the door in. Glass door, smashes it in, opens it up, kicks it in. Yep, covered in the way, whatever. And there's an old guy watching TV, like, ah! <laughs> they don't stop there. Because they, we, we get, they pay role players to go and do this stuff. So they go, yep, it's an old dude. Grab him. Put him out on the front lawn. Bag over the head. Handcuff him. Get him down. Fingerprints. Get him out. What are you doing here? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Photographs. Yep, photographs. Anyway, finally, a supervisor arrives. And I'm on the radio. I'm like, great, got another dude. Good. Yep, find out what's going on. Finally, a supervisor arrives. Stop, stop. Oh, my goodness. Stop, stop. Get the bag off. I'm so sorry. That's, he, the downstairs is not part of the exercise. This is not part of it. I'm sorry. We didn't know. The team, the, the section that was there, they did their job just great. Killing it. But with no supervisor, just, just dragged an old guy out of his house and handcuffed him on his front lawn. I'm just like, oh, man, we're in so much trouble. We are in trouble. And sure enough, Yep, it went all the way up to the government, went to the federal courts, like the federal, not, not the courts, the federal government, Minister of Defence, found out that my unit, I'm not going to say the name, my unit, that platoon, that section, went and kicked in an old guy's house and dragged him out on the front lawn. And here's what also got sent up, and there's photos of it. And that's when it really kicked off. The CO, who has those photos? Delete them right now. Those photos do not exist. I saw the photos, they were pretty funny. But... He, don't feel bad, because he came up, uh, I was in headquarters, and someone comes up, hey, boss, uh, that old guy we kicked in the door last night wants to see you. And I'm like, oh, can't he see the CEO or someone else? He's not here. I'm like, oh, man. He comes up. He was totally cool with it. He's like, oh, don't worry about it, mate. I got a new door out of it. <laughs> so he was all, he was, he was, he's like, yeah, I got a new door. I got some money. It's all good. Yeah, I used to be in the reserves. He was all for it. Anyway, he thought it was, he thought it was funny. Anyway, my point here is to always put God's first, all right? Have a good leader. If you don't think you've got good leaders, pray to God. I guarantee there's someone in this church that you can look to, an authority figure who knows, you know, where God potentially is moving us. It's not always easy for us to do that. I think, especially in Australia, in a Western society, we automatically reject authority. We love to emphasize individualism. We don't want a bar of being told what to do. Any sense of, well, I'm going out of my way to help my name. Like, mm, okay, well, it's not my job. You know, I don't really want to do that. And it's important because individual choice is super important part of the Christian faith. That's what's emphasized. The relationship with God has to be per, uh, personal and individual. But we need to recognize that uh, we are part of that one body, one spirit formed to overcome goals. Individuals will inevitably fall away and they, they won't finish the race. The part, being part of the church is how God designed us to run the Christian race, to be part of this here, a team, a church, and to encourage and move forward together. There are roles within those teams. I think 
it's clear in all the analogies God draws out in the Bible about teams is individuals doing different things. You know, uh, Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. It starts off describing the gifts of the Spirit, healing, wisdom, prophecy, teaching, and then it brings it together and it says, all of these work of one and the same Spirit. He distributes them each to one for the common good. So he gives each individual something different to work towards a common, common good. The strengths overlap the weaknesses so we know where we can move forward. I'd encourage you all guys to find your role in the church. It doesn't have to be something glamorous or something that you see people doing, but be the best at it. Building the church of God. If you're bored in church, you've only got yourself to blame. Get involved in something. If you think something could be done better, then get involved in it. We're all volunteers. I'd really encourage you to be involved. If you're starting to get bored with something, challenge yourself and do something more. Grow as an individual as part of that team. There's plenty of work to be done in every sense, physical and spiritual. Join a connect group, a prayer group, a volunteer team in the church. Be involved. If you're too comfortable, you're only going to end up being bored and fall away. And that really, I think, is the easy part, honestly. The easy part of being in a team is knowing your own role. When you're at work and you know your responsibilities and you get good at them, it gets pretty easy after a while. I think every good team that I've been a part of, and this is the hardest part, is people that the team is made up of people who are flexible enough to work outside of their normal role, to adapt. And that's what's really hard. If everyone only ever did the thing that they're supposed to do, eventually not much would actually get done because you would just go, and we've all encountered generally a government bureaucracy of some kind when you're trying to get a license or you're trying to get some form filled and someone goes, well, that's not my job. You'll have to call this other department and you call them and they go, oh, no, that's not mine. And you just, can someone please just sign or fix this one thing? And that is very true of any decent team. Someone gets injured in a team, who's going to step up? Everyone can go, well, that's, that's not my job. I don't know. You have to adapt. You have to know when the pizza guy arrives and no one expected it, all the different roles quickly swing into action and adapt to something new. When you need to do something, hey, the cafe is struggling. Well, I'm a guitar player. Uh, this isn't directed at you, John, but um, I'm a guitar player, so I'm, I just play guitar. I'm not making coffees. So that's just not my thing, all right? Adapt to that. Help the team out. The team is the goal, and building church, the God's church is the ultimate part here of what we're trying to, what we're trying to build. Think of uh, the body of Christ as the analogy and merge that in, just smash those analogies together of all the military stuff I've been talking about as a body of Christ in a battle as a soldier, okay? Think of a soldier, think of the most stereotypical soldier you can think of. He's walking around with a helmet and body armor and a rifle and all the body parts have a different role. Yep, the head's thinking, the eyes are looking where to shoot, the legs are walking, the arms shoot, fingers pull the trigger, okay? But sometimes that soldier, something blows up and they're going to have to crawl. Is it at that point, do the arms go, well, I'm not made for this, so you're just going to have to worm your way across the ground from this point on? No. The arms are like, all right, well, if I don't want to get shot and die and become useless, I'm going to have to get in and do what the legs do. This sucks. I'm not designed for this. And it does. But you have to get it done. Okay? And that is very much true of teams in a Christian setting. There's times when you have to do things outside of what you're used to, outside of your role, and that's okay. More glory to you because it's not your natural inclination. Look for opportunities for this, guys. Look for opportunities of people who are struggling, maybe not in the group or the thing that you normally do, and help them out. And 
I think humility, which is a big point, which we could talk about forever, but humility plays a huge role here. Because sometimes the jobs or the role in a team that you want to do versus what needs to be done is not always that cool. You just think, oh man, this is pretty lame. And there's a scripture on this, all right? I mean, there's plenty of scriptures on humility. But specifically, uh, later on in that same Corinthians chapter 12, it says on the t- in verse 22, it says, On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. Yeah, there we go. Good. And I think it's interesting because the analogy of the body here, we think of all the big muscle movements. You just think, automatically when you think body parts, you think arms and legs. Sweet. All the big movements, all the things that you see that are good and strong. But the reality is the weaker parts here are indispensable. Think of how important something, this is God's design. It's kind of got a sense of irony, I think. How important in our physical bodies is our eyes, our sight. And yet they are the weakest, most annoying thing probably in our whole body. One piece of dust in your eye and you're like, I can't see. What's that about? I mean, a piece of dust on my arm, blow it off, anywhere else. My nose is designed for dust, but a piece of dust in your eye and you're out. That's the weakest part, and yet it's one of the most important. All the jobs sometimes that you don't see are the more important ones. This band would sound horrible if the guys at the back, which you don't see, putting all the wiring, there's all this like fancy wiring going on and lights and digital stuff, wasn't there. When you see a bodybuilder, a big weight, Olympic weightlifter lifting some crazy weight, and you go, geez, look at this. That guy's got some big legs. But you don't see the nervous system and the spine and everything else going on. You don't see that. You just see big quads and you're like, wow, muscles. I get that. That's easy. So it's okay to be an indispensable part that people may not see. Encourage those people. The muscles, if you're in a muscle movement job, encourage the people of the things that may not be seen and embrace that. You're just as important as the big major muscle movements. Okay. I think it's too easy um, to, to focus on those, those big roles and to think, well, mine's, this sucks and I'm not doing it. No one sees it and uh, it's not a glamorous job. But I think really this is where humility plays a role because your place and your relationship with God is what's going to give you the fulfillment, not the encouragement and pat on the back that you can get from other people, which is nice and it should be done. But the reality is your relationship with God is really what's going to feed you. Okay. And it comes to my last point here um, in how to be in a team, and that is the motivation. As you want to ask the, I'll ask the band to come up. Um, I was watching an old uh, like Netflix, not an old Netflix, a Netflix movie that was an old medieval type thing. And uh, I was watching all the soldiers marching, all knights in armour, sword and shield stuff. Looks cool. And there's always that guy who's like, his only job is to just carry a flag. And I'm just like, well, that's the worst job. Screw me and that guy. Give me a sword and a shield. I'm not charging into battle, just carrying a flag. What are you doing in the middle of the battle? Just yelling like, ah, I've got a flag. What are you going to do about it? What is that all about? It didn't, and I remember seeing that as a kid, you know, although they've got the drummers. I'm like, what is a drummer doing on the battlefield? What are you doing? There's trumpeteers. Sweet, we've got musicians here too. What's going on? It's not until I joined the army which I really understood the importance of motivation. Being motivated on the battlefield, and in this case, the analogy, the battlefield of life is so important. And this is where God comes in because we've got the best bannermen. We look to Jesus. We've got the best bannermen around. If you're struggling as being part of this team, if you're really 
starting to go, what am I doing with this life? You know, look to God. He is our bannerman, and he's invincible, so you don't have to worry about protecting him too much like the widows on those battlefields, okay? Look to him. In the same way when Moses was holding his arms up over the Israelites while they were fighting, and they could look to him and go, we are still fighting. We have still got this. It's the same when you see a sports team, and they talk about the home ground advantage. What is that? It's totally in their head. It's completely psychological. There's no difference between the grass that they're playing at in this oval or that oval, but it's psychological because the crowd is against them versus the crowd is for them. It's their bannerman. They see the flags waving and they go, oh, sweet, the crowd's on our side. The crowd aren't on the field playing against them, but yet it makes such a difference. If you're a struggling team, I would really encourage you to look to God, to press into Him, if you think you're struggling and you're just over it, press into God. I guarantee he's going to go, well, you should start doing this more, okay? Push into prayer. Take stock of who is around you and what they're doing to get help. Be a part, I'd really encourage you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Be a part of something bigger than your bank account, bigger than your, your PB at the gym, bigger than your career, bigger, bigger than what your new car wants to be, than your house, your renovations. Be a part of the eternal glory of God and building His house. Amen? The team of God. That is the goal. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.